0: teens love to sleep in the morning. They do not love to sleep when you want them to. There's a disconnect between teen sleep needs and modern culture, and yet teen sleep is as important as it was for our toddlers. Join us for our guest to talk all about teens and getting some sleep. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. I'm your co-host, Janet Allison of boysalive.com, along with Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. We appreciate you for being our listeners, and we appreciate you for supporting our sponsors.
2: I get to talk to Janet every week and share with her some of my boy-raising frustrations and get encouragement and input. And now, listeners, you can too her decoding your boy program includes monthly support and the themes are everything that you are worried about school and homework screen time and video games siblings the importance of dad janet you've got everything here
0: you know i've been listening to parents for what 20 years now and Things center around a theme, and we know that there's always the boy development questions and the boy communication questions. But wrapping them around a theme actually enables us to get our heads around it. So decoding your boy is a monthly program. You can join any time throughout the year, and we get on Zoom together. You are live with me. This is not recorded videos. It's not a course. This is. What's going on for you right now? What are your questions? I'm going to be answering them. We're going to be doing some coaching together. It is on the spot, real time, with me, live. I want you to be able to forge that deeper relationship with him that you have long desired and that you all deserve to have. So go to boysalive.com slash decode no matter what time of the year you're hearing this, you are welcome. You can join us. We meet on the 1st and 15th of every month. Decoding your boy, less whining, more connecting. Isn't that what we all want, Jen? It's what I want. Boysalive.com slash decode. And I can't wait to see you there. Does your little one refuse to wear socks? You know, some kids are sensitive to that seam across the toe. Meltdowns, anyone? Or maybe they have skin sensitivities like eczema that makes wearing socks super uncomfortable. So imagine socks without the seam and socks and PJs and boxer briefs that are made of the softest cotton and merino wool. That's Q for Quinn. Quinn. This mama started her company because her child had eczema and other skin sensitivities. Q4Quinn.com has cute socks. They have boxer briefs. They have PJs, all ethically sourced, not only for your kids, but for you as well. Check them out. q 4 quinn We are proud to feature a company that uses responsibly sourced wool and cotton without all the harmful chemicals and toxins. So you can have clothes gentle to your skin and gentle to the planet. Q4Quinn.com. Use the Envoy's coupon code for 10% off your order. That is the letter Q. F O R. QUINN.com. Use the OnBoys coupon code for 10% off, and uh, you'll be rocking those socks before you know it.
2: Teenagers love to sleep in the morning, at noon, often afternoon, but they do not like to go to bed when we tell them to. And we know that there is a disconnect between teen sleep needs and modern culture. I mean, there is a disconnect period between human sleep needs and modern culture. And even though I know that sleep remains important for my teenager, I'm going to be honest, I stopped fighting the fight. By the time 11 p.m. comes around, I am too tired to fight with my 15-year-old about whether he's in bed or not. But sleep is just as important for our teens as it is for our toddlers so we have an expert joining us today today we have with us lisa lewis who is the author of a book that will be out in early june the sleep deprived teen why our teenagers are so tired and how parents and schools can help them thrive welcome lisa thank you so nice to be here all right one thing that i definitely noticed as a parent of teens is when they hit these teen years, it is almost like this switch flips, and they come alive at 9pm at night.
3: That is exactly right. It it is true. It is not just your teen. It is what happens across the board. Um, There is essentially a circadian rhythm shift their body clocks shift to a later timetable. And that happens. At the onset of puberty. So, yes, you are exactly right. And what that means is that as, as adults, you know, we're ready to start winding down about nine o'clock, as you mentioned. Um, our teens are not. They're getting that last little burst of energy, the same one we get a couple hours earlier to help you kind of power through. But then they're not really starting to feel sleepy and ready to go to bed until about 11 o'clock.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, Uh, It occurs to me, you mentioned that happens right around the onset of puberty, and there is a a slightly different onset of puberty for boys than for girls. So does that mean that uh, that tends to happen a little later for boys in age than it might for girls?
3: That is actually a really good point. And yes, um, it because it is tied to the onset of puberty. If your child is a late bloomer, you might not be noticing it quite at the same time as if your child is an early bloomer. It's a very complicated process. And and, you know, I am I'm a parenting journalist, I'm not a, a medical expert. But there are so many interwoven processes that are happening with the onset of puberty, the whole process of puberty. So one of them is this shift to to, um, a later body clock. Um, And that is tied to the onset of puberty, which is all those other characteristics that have to do with puberty, the Tanner scale, et cetera.
0: Well, and so this is biological. This has been happening through time. And then throw in the iphone throw in an ipad and we've got teens now who have something to engage with absolutely. at those late hours
3: absolutely and they have more schoolwork too i mean i know when i look back and my god it makes me feel old to think back on you know when i was your age but it's true. When I was in high school, and this was you know, quite a while ago, I certainly was a, a diligent student. I worked hard. I took advanced classes, but the overall workload and the expectations were just different than what they are today. So I think mm-hmm. we need to acknowledge that too, just mm-hmm. the expectations of you know, what our teens are supposed to be doing just to, to excel or you know, keep up academically. Those really have ratcheted up too. So there's a number of factors that go into Um, the the time demands that they have. Mm
2: -hmm. So this is where I feel really frustrated as a parent, because on the one hand, this is a biological thing, you know, as Janet said, that's, you know, been happening to humans for probably millennia. I can't affect that. I can't change that. I can't independently change our modern culture. And, you know, I know that we can talk individually and we will talk individually about things that we can do in our homes, but it just seems like everything is set against us in terms of getting good sleep, both for ourselves and then helping our kids do it. It's so paddling up a stream with no paddle.
3: (laughs) It's true. I mean, there are a lot of challenges. And I think, I mean, just broadly, and I know we're going to get into it in more detail, just being intentional about it as a first step and recognizing yeah it is hard but to really carve out and try and guard that time for sleep i mean you and we were chatting just a bit right before this started about you know as as parents and i I really try my best to to guard my sleep time because I know it makes me a nicer person. And, you know, everything goes better when when you've gotten a good night's sleep. There are no benefits to being sleep deprived. There's nothing you do better when you're sleep deprived.
0: Well, and it ties into mental health. And so let's talk about that. You know, we're more able to emotionally regulate when we've had sleep. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast knows sleep is good for us. And for our teens, it's even more important because of all those things that you said they have going on. But then there's anxiety, there's depression. So how does all of that weave into this Um, picture for our teens?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, that is a really, really big topic. I think sleep and mental health the link is so important, and particularly coming out, coming out still at the tail end of this pandemic. I mean, our teens' mental health really, really took a nosedive. And so many of the medical groups have been sounding the alarm about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just in December, I think, yeah, December was when the US Surgeon General issued his special advisory on adolescent mental health. They don't do special advisories except when there's something really, really critical. Um, and the CDC just released their results of the first half of 2021, and again, mental health for teens even worse than it had been before. And before it wasn't great to begin with; they already right. had all these pressures on them. So that's a huge, huge issue. Um, and as you were mentioning, sleep really is—it's sort of an emotional buffer. I mean, it it mm. it helps with resiliency. Mm-hmm. It 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 helps. Um, with coping with just the daily stressors. It helps with coping with discrimination. Um, I mean, it's really fascinating when you start looking into some of these studies that just in terms of having that those emotional reserves to be able to handle what's going on in your daily life. Um, I mean, it doesn't solve those other issues, but it goes a long way to Helping regulate how you as an individual can respond and can bounce back when you're dealing with so much stuff.
2: My dad, he's 85 now. He's very much a traditional father of that age. So let's just say that he was not the most emotionally in touch person ever. However, one thing he said that ended up being totally true, and I always remember everything is better after a hot bath and a good night's sleep.
3: Oh, so true. So true. So we could talk about that as part of wind down routines, because it's figuring out what does work for you. And a hot bath is a recommended strategy. But again, only if it works for you, because if it makes you feel really annoyed to be there, then that's not going to help you wind down.
2: You know, as we're talking about uh, the link between sleep and mental health, as you said, crisis levels among our children and our children even know that they are experiencing anxiety and depression. This is widely known and widely talked about, and our kids don't want to feel this way. Nobody wants to feel this way, but trying to convey the importance of sleep and that sleep is something you should prioritize as a major piece of dealing with this can be a difficult message to get across to kids, to all of us. Let's face it. If there was a pill that we could take that would have all these benefits of sleep, it'd be a bestseller. There'd be billions of dollars flying around. This is free yeah. and we're still not doing it.
3: You know, that is such a good point. That is really such a good point. Yeah. When something seems new and exclusive and you have to really go work for it, I guess it it seems more appealing. But yeah, sleep is tried and true. And, you know, to your point about teens, they need more sleep, I think, than people tend to realize. They're not adults. They're not children, they're not adults. They are smack in the middle and their sleep needs are in the middle too. So for adults, for instance, we need seven to nine hours a night, but our teens need more than that. They need eight to 10 Mm -hmm. and that's a range. And that um, in fact was, um, broadened from what the range used to be for teens. It used to be eight and a half to nine and a half. And so this was the the national sleep foundation actually released their new sleep guidelines. I think it was 2015 where they went and they had a, a multidisciplinary group that looked at all of the various studies that were out there and what was considered best practices to really come up with what's the, the range for optimal functioning and for teens it's eight to 10 hours now that means that the vast majority of teams need somewhere between eight and 10 hours. Some of them are gonna fall you know, a, a little below that in terms of what they really truly need. And some are gonna fall a little bit above that. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when you think also eight to 10 hours, that does not mean, oh, well, if I'm getting seven and three quarters, I'm close to eight, I must be doing well. Well, maybe you're actually someone who really needed close to that 10, mm-hmm. in which case that's a huge sleep gap every single night so i think just starting with that and and helping well helping parents understand and also helping teens understand you really need 8 to 10 hours for optimal functioning and i think that is probably more than people might might assume or they sort of assume oh well i'm certainly someone who doesn't have to have 10 but maybe you do and it's not a sign of weakness to say you need sleep to function well you don't get any prize for getting by on less sleep, you know, you don't train yourself to be better at it. You just are able to manage getting through your day with less sleep, but it isn't isn't like you're training yourself to, you know, like weightlifting where you train and then you can Mm -hmm. lift more weights. You're just coping with it. Yeah. (laughs) And you (laughs) need to listen
0: to your own body is what I hear you saying, Lisa. And so my question for you is, For any of us, but for teens, okay, they had, you know, three nights where they were up late and they only got five hours of sleep. And now it's Saturday. Do I get to catch up on my sleep on the Uh weekend? Does that That work that way? Well,
3: it does to an extent. And that's where, you know, we see commonly our teens are sleeping really late on the weekends when they get the chance, their body is doing what it needs, which is getting more sleep. And if you are sleep deprived and you've built up that sleep debt over the course of the week, you are going to be really tired and you are going to sleep longer. In general, though, if you're doing that too much, if your um, schedule is varying that much between how much you're getting on weeknights and how much you're getting on the weekends, that also is really tricky because then there's a concept they call social jet lag um, where you're throwing your body clock off. So Mm. if you sleep in till one o'clock on Saturday, what are the chances your 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 teen let's say because you know the teens are the ones who t- you know tend to be notorious for sleeping in because they're so sleep deprived they sleep until one o'clock on saturday um they're not gonna be able to go to sleep at 11 o'clock that night so it sort of perpetuates that whole cycle mm, yeah. you know Definitely. so they're like great sunday i'll sleep in too and then monday rolls around and they have to get up at you know whatever often some ungodly hour like you know 5 30 or six o'clock in the morning they're going to be really, really tired. So it it does make it that much harder, unfortunately. So it, they, you do want to catch up as you can. In fact, one of the sleep specialists I talked to, a neuroscientist, his recommendation was ideally you don't sleep in that long on the weekends. You get up closer to your regular time, get up and do stuff, and then take a nap, maybe in the early afternoon. Again, it's uh, but you don't want to nap too, too, much. too late in the day or too long. But that way, you're somewhat preserving your your schedule. Uh, it, mm. It's tricky. I mean, they're when they're so, so sleep deprived, yeah, it, there isn't like a, a a magic solution of how to how to catch up on the weekends and not then have that carryover into so, the following week.
0: But I can see how a consistency is important
3: absolutely consistent schedule is is what they recommend and no kid wants to hear that oh yeah you really
0: should be getting up around super early on saturday and sunday morning," morning even though you don't need to yeah yeah i like the nap idea though
2: so practically speaking saturday mornings are often a battlefield for parents and teens um there are parents who partly because we have to be up and doing things it drives us crazy that our kids still in bed And there are parents who are like, they're being lazy. I got to get them up out of bed. What's some advice for handling that? I think for me, I'm wondering if it might be helpful for parents to reframe it as, first of all, your teen needing sleep is not lazy. And second of all, you know what? Let them sleep a little bit on on Saturday and then maybe have a conversation about this, um, You know, getting up, but then making time for a nap. What would you advise? I like cute clothes. style slash on boys. That's armoire.style, A R M O I R E, dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing For way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it.
0: Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. I think that makes a lot of sense.
3: I think recognizing that they're sleeping and because they're tired, not because they're lazy, that is such a key point. And that gets back to recognize that teens need eight to 10 hours a night. And so if you know that they're regularly getting more like six or seven, you know, closer to six, you know, unfortunately in many cases, they are yeah. like sleep deprived. So, you know, a little, um, a little kindness towards our teens. And I admit it's hard to do because, you know, as adults, and, you know, I always have a mental to do list of things that I should be doing. And, you know, and you, you want them up and helping, but they they are really exhausted. I mean, be, and, and especially getting back to the whole mental health piece, like being a teen right now is really hard.
1: Being yeah. a teen has
3: always been a massive transition phase. I was just thinking of the analogy of you know a little caterpillar and they go into a cocoon you know and then they emerge a butterfly but there's all that stuff happening while well, they don't have to be out functioning in the world they're in their their nice little dark cocoon and meanwhile our teens don't have that luxury mm-hmm. they're out even while they're going through the massive hormonal shifts of puberty and dealing with all of the academic pressures and dealing with the social pressures and the tech piece that you mentioned And, you know, their schools are starting too early, which really makes it virtually impossible for them to get enough sleep during the week. So it's a lot.
2: It really is.
0: So there's two two directions I want to go here because I want to ask you about in the U.S., we are going to be, we set our clocks forward and back, spring and fall. Uh, So I want to ask you about that. And also, we're talking about teens not getting enough sleep. What about the teens who are sleeping too much?
3: So that's interesting. Um, Yes, it is absolutely possible, um, and particularly getting back to the mental health piece and depression. Um, Again, I'm not a medical expert, so I just want to make sure that that your, your listeners know that. But in general, if your teen is regularly sleeping far more than 10 hours, that's probably and if you are also seeing other of the, the types of symptoms having that go along with depression you know pay attention to that mm-hmm. and probably something to raise with your health care provider mm-hmm. um, there can also be cases where there are sleep disorders things like restless leg syndrome or sleep apnea but the one that immediately springs to mind in a case like that is, you know, there may be other mental health issues going on. And so that's where I would say really just look at it in terms of the full picture and probably consult your healthcare provider. I mean, that's that's not a bad step to take at all if mm-hmm. you're concerned.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about this time change and how it relates to our teens and school start time and... Yeah.
2: You proposed legislation to maybe you know stick to i think they were proposing sticking to daylight savings time yes
3: right? yes in fact and i just i wrote an op-ed about that a couple of weeks ago in the la times so in general the whole idea of switching twice a year is something that really is a pain everyone you know is annoyed about it every time when it happens i mean it it is as i wrote it is like clockwork everyone you complains about it you know twice a year it upends your schedule um it is harder certainly for our bodies when we switch to daylight savings time because the clocks move forward but our body clock does not you know just because you switch the time on the on the clock doesn't mean that your body clock switches that's Mm. the whole thing jet lag you know just because you've traveled to another time zone doesn't mean your body has immediately adjusted that takes time and so every single year in the spring when we switch our, our external clocks there's an increase in car crashes on the road because people are sleeping when they're out there driving i mean there there are risks there are other health risks associated with it so this time around and and i thought it was really telling that the um the discussion that took place about it which was really rushed happened the very week like two days after we switched our clocks in the spring and at that point it it seems great you're like oh look at this you know there's there's we're we're trying to what was it the sunshine protection act we're not protecting (laughs) the sunshine we're not adding more sunshine there's the same amount of daylight whether or not we move our clocks, there's more daylight in the summer months, because that has to do with the the orbit of, you know, the earth around the sun. So that's the key piece that I think was sort of lost in in, um, that very quick discussion that happened is, what does that really mean then in the fall? When we move our clocks um, back to standard time every year, and when is that now? November. That means that all of a sudden it it is correspondingly one hour lighter in the morning. And that's what we need because already naturally there are fewer hours of daylight in the winter months. So if you were to stay on daylight savings time the whole year, it would be essentially an hour darker in December and January than it is right now. And particularly if you live in a more Northern state or, um, you know, part of the country where that's really, really evident, it's gonna be that much darker in the morning. So, you know, people talk about, oh, it's great to have that extra hour of daylight in the afternoon. Well, it's actually better to have it in the morning because in addition Mm -hmm. to, you know, using it because you're up and about it's that light is also what helps prime you to, um, to feel alert in the morning and if you're waking up and it's pitch dark i'm in southern california so it's a very different situation for me than it is for someone in say north dakota and i spoke to a sleep specialist who is based in fargo north dakota already sunrise is not until about eight o'clock in the morning during the depths of winter so if it were to be year-round daylight savings time sunrise would not be until 9 a.m oh in the depths of winter there And that really does not seem good, you know? And if this whole debate was happening in November, December,
0: I think it might've taken a different turn. Differently. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the push to get schools to start later for teens? Some kids are out there on the bus at, you know, 6.45, 7 o'clock in the morning when they've had four or five hours of sleep.
3: Right. Right so that is a really really good point um that is something that i've been very involved in in california there is a national organization called start school later and it's been around since 2011 and and it's all about advocating for healthy start times for our teens and specifically why teens you know when i say teens it's really teens and tweens it's you know middle school and high school because of the body clock shift that being said though I mean, ideally, no kids should be out there when it's pitch black waiting for a bus. So a lot of times those schedules have been set um, for convenience, for transportation driven reasons um, to solve that issue of hmm, we can use the same bus and pick up and do a tiered pickup and drop off Mm. schedule. But at some point. You know, if you've got any kids having to be out there that early in the morning, that's an issue because that's really an issue of their health versus transportation concerns. And I think public health really, you know the, these concerns, particularly for um, teens and tweens, we've heard about. But also you know elementary schools, I think the the general start time that start school later advocates for is really shouldn't ideally start before about eight am. I mean, nobody should be starting school at the crack of dawn, yeah
2: can we as parents move the needle on that one? Um, You know, it's pretty obvious to me and so many other parents, (laughs) you expect these high schoolers to be paying attention in frankly, what is a very boring class at 8am. Developmentally, biologically, you're setting everybody up for failure. But uh, what do I do? You know, how do I how do I uh, be part of positive change?
3: That is a good question. So, there are many, many districts, probably hundreds around the country, that have already changed their start times. And what's tricky is there isn't a central database. So, I, you know, it sure would be nice to have that. But I would say the first step, it it starts with awareness, you know, getting back to helping people understand that teams need eight to 10 hours of sleep a night. And part of it is, I would say, first, getting that message out there and helping educate parents. Um, parents can be a tremendous force in terms of advocating for healthy school start times. That's what's happened in so many communities and getting sleep experts on board, too, to help advocate. That's, for instance, Seattle is the largest city to date that has changed their school start times. And they had a core group advocating for that, but that did include... Um, the head of the sleep center at Seattle Children's Hospital. So, I mean, bringing in some expert Mm -hmm. reinforcement really helps, I think, but, but again, starting with that whole education piece so that parents understand why this is important and how it is that these start times that are so, so early are really making it nearly impossible for our students to get enough sleep Mm -hmm. and then helping share that message. I mean, for schools, too, you're right. They don't want to have kids who are asleep on their desks. There are a lot of other benefits, too. Um, Tardies go down. Absenteeism goes down. Graduation rates go up. There are positive effects on test scores. So for a whole host of reasons, it makes sense for schools, too. The sticking point is the logistics. And that's real. You know, you do have to adjust and you have to figure out, Okay, so how are we going to work with the fact that you know we have a bus schedule etc but you just sort of have to um keep that in mind as you're you're balancing it against the tremendous public health um needs here Mm -hmm.
2: what i hear you saying and i think this is a message that has been lost or ignored for a long time sleep is foundational it is absolutely, absolutely foundational. So if we want our children or ourselves to do well in school, academically, inter interacting socially with other people, none of us are gonna be our best if we do not have enough sleep. Mm-hmm. I can't learn optimally if I'm sleep deprived. Uh, you, we, we talked about emotional regulation. I am shorter, short tempered when I am sleep deprived. So if, if we don't put these, foundational things in place, it really doesn't matter which textbooks we order, or how we set up our desks.
3: Yeah, that is absolutely true because the kids are struggling to stay awake. I mean, first of all, there are kids who literally are falling asleep. And yes, you know, I'm sure you talk to any teacher who's taught a class at 730 in the morning and they'll tell you, you know, so if you're literally asleep, clearly you're not learning. But even if you're sitting there and your eyes are open but your brain is still asleep, you're also not learning. Right. Or
2: you're spending all your time trying to keep your eyes open. I've been there, done that. (laughs) Right.
0: So, Lisa, I want to uh, get really practical here because, I mean, we have, you know, we can make change in this larger system. And what does a parent do with a teen who is, you know, we've had the conversation eight to 10 hours is optimal and it's still not happening. What are practical things we can be doing to work with our teen to get some healthy sleep habits happening. Yeah. What do you suggest? Well,
3: the first thing is the, the school start time piece really is key because if their school is starting too early, it is going to be difficult for them to get enough hours of sleep and to just acknowledge that and that that piece. And that's why here in California, we have the first law of its kind in the nation going into effect July 1st requiring healthy start times for secondary schools. And for middle schools, that's 8 a.m., and for high schools, that's 8.30. So first of all, the hope is that 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 will have a ripple effect to other states. Up until now, it's happened at the county, or the district, or the individual school level. And so really acknowledging the importance of that is is key. But as you pointed out, you know, parents can't necessarily go in and, and make that happen overnight. So, In your own house, um, I think it's, you start with helping educate them about the number of hours, helping them develop a wind down routine, whatever that is. You know, for me, I like to read before I go to bed, but I I read an actual book. I don't read a Kindle. It is tricky for teens because the tech piece, which we we touched on briefly, sometimes they have to be on their devices to do their homework, to turn in their homework. So there is that piece. So helping them manage their workload is a key piece of it. Um, can, that, I, can
2: I comment on that for a minute? Yeah. You know, one thing I've noticed with the rise of, you know, uh, Google Classroom and, and tech for homework, I never had to have homework turned in by midnight.
3: Exactly. that, And that's that encourages that. I mean, it's human. Yes. Nature. You know, you have to 1159 to turn it in. You, that does sort of, you know, tacitly encourage you to work on it later at night. If you had a turn-in time of 10 o'clock, that that absolutely is a point to raise, I would say, with the with, school. If yeah. if if the classes have 11:59 p.m. turn-in times.
2: Thank so you for that. I never considered that before, but I know my kids have dealt with that, and of course that's going to feed into it.
3: Absolutely. Hmm. So there's that piece where they you know sort of have to be on tech because because of the work they're they're doing and you know their homework and turning it in. Some parents will sort of set a no tech after a certain time at night. You know, if you can have a family rule of, say, charging your phones in a central location, um, something like that goes a long way. Also, that being a family rule, I think, is also a key piece of it because you have to sort of show that, that you, too, as an adult, are following those same tech rules and that, you know, that you value your sleep and you yeah. kind of share that with your teen and you let them understand, you know, this is, these are the things that I do, you know, so that I'm not on my device too late at night. You know, these are things that I do to help myself wind down so that you're not just asking them to go do something. They're seeing that, that they're seeing you live that as well. So I would say those certainly help. Making sure the room is really dark for sleep really helps. Um, same thing in the morning, then, you know, if they are having trouble getting up, bright light first thing in the morning is really key because that's what help prompt, helps prompt us to feel alert. It's the same thing when you hear about blue light from tech devices, which is one aspect of tech. I mean, there's also the interactive aspect. There's so right. much we could talk about tech, but at night, that blue light is um, having an alerting effect that you don't want. But in the morning, that blue light, that's part of the light spectrum is helping you feel more alert. So sunlight is great. If you don't have sunlight, turn on all the bright lights. So it's also what you can do like in the morning to help right when you get up.
2: I don't think we've ever had a parent really tell us mornings with my teenager are so delightful. He's so easy to get out of bed. I mean, Janet, is that a complaint that you're, do you hear that? from? Haven't
0: heard that one. Haven't heard that one. You
2: know, it's, Uh, more likely to be a battlefield in every household. How do I get this kid out of bed and moving in the morning? So what you're saying is uh, the more light in the house, the better at that point.
3: Yeah. Turning on the lights in the morning absolutely helps. And, you know, but on the back end helping them ideally get to sleep at a reasonable time. And a reasonable time is not going to be nine 30 because they're not, even if they were to get in bed at that point, chances are they're not going to fall asleep, but you know, if it's closer to 11 o'clock at night, then 1 a.m., that certainly helps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they can't if their school starts at whatever time their school starts at is f- pretty much dictating what time they have to get up in yeah. the So that's yeah. absolutely a piece that has to change. But in the meantime, what you can help affect is the bedtime within reason. And that is why it's also looking at the overall workload, looking at the number of classes they're taking, looking mm-hmm. at the number of other activities they're involved in. You know, at some point, if, if you're over-scheduled, there's so much that you're trying to get through every day that it makes it really hard to, to say, okay, I'm done for the day and now I can go to sleep.
2: Yeah. And going back to foundation, ultimately for your child's long-term physical and mental health, it will be better to be well-rested than to have padded your resume with extracurriculars and AP classes.
3: Absolutely. There's another piece that I was really, really glad to see, which is so many colleges and universities uh, temporarily paused or did away with the SAT and the ACT. Um, because, you know, you look at that, the prep classes a lot of kids take, that's yet another thing that gets added to their schedules. Mm-hmm. True. So,
2: often on Saturday mornings.
3: Oh yeah. So for instance, here in California, the UC system and the Cal State system, they are no longer uh, using them at all. Okay. So you know that, that's a huge piece too, looking at the overall scheduling and overload piece yeah. that our teens face. And that's broader than what an individual parent can do. You know, the same way that starting schools later in the morning is something that really needs to happen at a broader level. The one, you know, thing I'd say, though, is it is good that these conversations are now happening, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with the college entrance exams that in in some cases that was already afoot, but the pandemic really, really accelerated that. Mm
0: -hmm. One thing that caught my eye in one of your articles was encouraging our teens that bed is for sleep. Yes. Only for sleep.
3: And that's one of the, the tips from the sleep experts that I've spoken with. And that's part of sort of training yourself. We know when I get in bed, I go to sleep and there's so many times where our teens and adults too, they're still guilty. On their phones. Yeah. And that, there was one study. I wish I had it here that talked about the percentage of adults who, when they wake in the middle of the night, check their phones, not to check the time, but they get on and check their texts. or their
0: emails no. guilty. <laughs> or I listen to a podcast in the middle of the night. Cause the I can't go to sleep. Night. I can't Aww. go to sleep.
3: Well, yeah. now see yeah. something like that. I will say that's, that can be part of a wind down routine listening to a podcast. True. That's it. That's a tip that I, that I did get from one of the sleep experts that I spoke with Um because there's not, not, not no our videos. podcast,
0: by the way, you <laughs> wouldn't want to fall asleep to our podcast. Just say it.
3: <laughs> well, figuring out what works for you, but a podcast <laughs> where you're just listening and you're yeah. not having the visuals of it, or even just listening to, you know, I don't know, your favorite TV show. That's a little trickier because if there are visuals, you want to
2: watch them. Let's talk about gender and sleep. Um, you know, we are all women. So there's hormonal issues that affect our sleep in a way that probably won't be affecting our boys. But what can you tell us about uh, any influence of gender or even gendered attitudes on boys and their sleep or sleep habits?
3: Yeah, well, I would say, first of all, the piece about um, females, you know, so teen girls and women, um, sleep can be more complicated in general, you know, the good news for parents of boys, boys in general fall asleep faster than girls. They have a lower risk of insomnia. And I mean, let's face it, they don't have the same monthly hormonal issues affecting Mm -hmm. their sleep. And those are real. Those are real for teen girls. And that's a key piece, I think, you know, parents of of, um, biological females really need to be aware of. Teens across the board are sleep deprived, you know, and so boys absolutely are not getting enough sleep, um, despite the fact they may not have these additional complications. In 2019, and this is from the the youth um, risk behavior survey, the CDC does, um only twenty two percent of high schoolers were hitting the eight hour minimum in yeah. terms of getting enough sleep. And unfortunately, the, there was also the the another piece, which is more than a third of the high schoolers said they felt sad or hopeless, and nineteen percent said that they had considered suicide. Wow. So these are really, really concerning statistics. And I will add that, you know the cdc just released information for the first half of 2021 and that's when you know still with dealing with the pandemic and those numbers were even worse mm-hmm. so you know it is absolutely something that, that that is a grave concern for boys um something that might resonate with them growth hormone is released when you sleep so mm-hmm. you know, oh. that's, that's something you know mm-hmm. many boys might might be really interested to know mm-hmm. um I would say for parents of boys, knowing that being sleep-deprived increases the risk for risk-taking. Teens in general are primed for what they call sensation-seeking and reward seeking And that often involves risky behaviors because those seem super exciting. Look at teen drivers. Teen drivers as a whole are more dangerous than any other age group. Their crash risk is higher than any other age group, I guess I should say but it's males are even riskier than females. Mm. I mean, this is a very sobering statistic but about 2 out of every 3 teens that were killed in car crashes in 2019 were boys.
2: One thing I deal with in my family have long dealt with that to me seems to be a, a gendered attitude. There's like this macho attitude, uh, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I have heard that so many times. Yeah. And It's difficult to counter when that is an attitude that my boys seem to be swimming in. They Mm. didn't come up with it. They've been immersed in it. And I try and tell them the science, but, whew.
3: It's tricky. I would say teens in general aren't necessarily predisposed to hang on our every word of advice.
2: (laughs) You said that so nicely, Lisa.
3: (laughs) Um, Repetition helps. Um, living, it helps, you know, I think like letting them know how much you value your sleep and how you prioritize getting enough sleep and how you have a wind down routine and what you're doing in terms of tech and letting them see that over time, that is going to help make an impact. Um, it is tricky though. You know, I do think an, another thing that came out of the pandemic is a lot more focus on mental health and yeah. be able to talk about it and that is something i think we need to be talking about with our teens particularly if we know our teens have been struggling and letting them know that sleep actually does help um it is that it does help provide that emotional resiliency and i would say also in terms of figuring out what else might resonate with your teen the driving piece is something that certainly resonates with parents because when you have a new driver out there and you know they're tired their crash risk goes up and that is just, it is dangerous. And particularly, as I mentioned, teen boys in general are riskier on the road than teen girls. Um, let's see. The other one I think that might really resonate is if your teen plays sports, there's so much information about sleep as a competitive advantage.
0: Mm. So
3: if that's something that, you know, if your, your teen is involved in, 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 mm-hmm. in, of athletic endeavor, letting them know how, how much that helps improve their performance. And it's not just teens, you know, they can look to some of their idols. They can see pro teams are focusing on sleep and pro athletes. Some of them have been very uh, vocal about how important they they view their sleep to be as part of keeping them in peak performance shape.
2: Parents, this is a conversation that you can have in your family and work on over a period of time. If your teen is currently getting you know, six hours of sleep a night, do not think that by next week, no matter which interventions you set up, your teen is going to be getting the eight to 10 hours of sleep. It takes time to develop new habits and to learn new ways of being, but the effort is so worth it, Lisa.
3: Absolutely. And just having those conversations and recognizing it is a process, as you just mentioned, I think is key. Um, And being willing to have those conversations and and also let the teen, you know, suggest some ideas of what might work. Because it is going to be different, you know, for Mm -hmm. for each of us to figure out what might work or encourage them just to try it. You know, again, one of the experts I spoke with was we were talking about this very same topic. And it was like, well, what if you encourage them to have their phone on the other side of the room for a week and see, you know, how how that feels. Do do they feel like they slept better as a result? So that they can kind of experience it themselves. Mm -hmm. The ones to try something even for just a short period of time. It's just an experiment. You know, you can frame it like that. Let's just try this.
2: Your book is The Sleep Deprived Teen, Why Our Teenagers Are So Tired and How Parents and Schools Can Help Them Thrive uh what is the launch date
3: the book launches on june 7th it is available for pre-order beforehand all the the big online platforms um as well as uh, i I feel the need to mention not just amazon and barnes and noble and target but also bookshop.org where you can order from your favorite independent bookstore
0: we love that
2: thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to this book, Getting Out There in the World and Inspiring Conversations and Change.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to you.
0: There is just so much going on for our kids, isn't there? Including sleep and the time that school starts. If you are a boy champion, if you want to be a boy champion and you want to understand boys, even more join me for my year-long group coaching program called decoding your boys less yelling more connecting more connection isn't that what we all want and isn't that what our kids deserve you can find out more about this very hands-on program we meet live twice every month find out more at boysalive.com decode and don't forget comfy socks, jammies, briefs, q4quinn.com, q4quinn.com, use the ONBOYS coupon code. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate you, our listeners, so very, very much. I am Janet Allison of boysalive.com with my lovely co-host Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net.